Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the More Sugar Podcast, where there's always something more. I'm your host, Amanda Callender, and we are on episode five of Soul Sessions, Coping with the Loss of a Mother. It has been a great series, and I have with me the closer, <laughs> the lovely Kayla Callender. And um, as I said before, I asked everyone to join the soul sessions for a particular reason. And the reason, of course, being my wife, whenever I have a wonderful idea or not so good idea, any idea at all, I kind of run it by her with the exception of this. I never ran it by her. I just told her what I was doing and I asked her to participate. Boom, she said yes. And the reason why I asked her is because her mom will be the closest thing to my own mother as we talk about coping with the loss of a mother. We've been together for 23 years, so that means I've, I know some stuff. Eh? I loved her mother. So without further ado, Kayla Callender. Tell us about your mom and how she passed away. Okay, well, again, as she mentioned, I am Kayla Lee Callender. And um, my mom, Hillary Teresa Peterson, born in 61, transitioned, or shall I say, gained her right into the ancestral world December 30th, 2011. She was a dynamic force, um, style, grace, fearless, was not afraid to speak her mind at all. Um, she, if you had a question and you wanted an honest opinion and you didn't want to sugarcoat it, definitely give her, uh, <laughs> ask her and she will tell you exactly how it was. She was style. She was grace. She was pretty much my everything, and um, living today still is is very, very, very challenging without her. How did she pass away? She passed away from cancer. So it was her second bout of cancer, and it was colon cancer that she passed away with, and so, Yeah. Stage four is when I found out she had it. She did a great job at um, keeping it more or less secluded because she didn't want anyone to worry. She didn't want her family to worry. She didn't want her children to worry. And my mom always had a fighting spirit. And I believe that this was another bout of life that I knew that she felt she knew she probably would win. And she fought a very good, good fight for it. But, you know, as it would seem that her body was weak here and the ancestors needed to make it whole again. So she joined them and she's walking in glory right now. Okay. So she passed away from cancer. Yes. So there had to have been some time in between the diagnosis and her death. Right. And you got to spend that time with her, correct? Yes, yes I did. Okay, so t t talk a little about how long did you spend with her? Well, uh, I spent 
I moved to Virginia in 2003. So from 2003 to 2010, actually 2011, I would say, um, throughout her bout with cancer, I spent the last two years working with her with her cancer. I mean, she was very evasive. It wasn't to the point where I said, mom, look, I got to go to these doctor's appointments with you because what's, what's happening and what I'm seeing is is totally not measuring up. You know, you lose weight entirely too fast. Your body is changing and things are happening. And for it to just be into opening stages as what she wanted us to know, right. I, I didn't really feel as though that was really the case. So I took some time to start going with her to doctor's appointments. And that's when they let me, let me know the severity of her cancer and that it would take extensive chemo. And it could be a possibility that she could beat it. And it could be a possibility that she wouldn't. So, of course, my mother being a worrier that she is, she took, I'm going to beat it. And we went on from there. So there was a time when it it, it it came to the end where it was more or less hospice. And she, we was living in New Jersey and we had moved back to New Jersey and you came to Virginia for a time to be with her. Yes, I did. I came and spent about, I'll say I came down and spent about a week with my mom um, because I knew that Things were, as we were talking on the phone, her conversations would get shorter. She would always talk about how much more pain that she was in. And she was very vocal about um, what cancer was doing to her. And that was the first time that I ever heard her express her vulnerabilities because that's just not something that she did. And when I got here and seen her for the very first time over at least probably for maybe about Eight months had gone by before I had last seen her when I moved to New Jersey, when I came back and I'm just looking and, and you know, I was almost brought to tears because I'm like, who, who is this woman? I, I have no idea who she is. You know, her physical exterior was changing and um, I just, you know, didn't, I just had to be strong for her because I didn't want her to see that I saw what she sees every day, which I know being the person that she was, was a very hard thing to do. So, you know, we moved on throughout that week as if, you know, life was the same. But there was a point when she was in the hospital. So yes. talk about, so once she goes to the hospital and she doesn't come back home from the hospital. So talk about the feeling of anticipatory grief. Like when the doctor says like, this is it, she could pass away any day now. I was saying, actually, so from day to day, how do you wake up anticipating this may be her last time here every day until she passes away? Well, I honestly didn't get that particular phone call until December 28th. And mind you, she transitioned on December 30th. And it was her that called me and she said to hurry up. And in that voice, I knew, okay, I had to hurry up and get there. So I get there. By the time I get there, she has been admitted to the hospital. And we were at the point where it was hospice. They moved her to the hospice uh, unit. 
and family was coming to visit. And this was all family that I wasn't, you know, accustomed to that I didn't know, which was her, you know, family. And with that, um, her being a hospice, it was more like, um, it was really loud. It was, it was, it was, uh, more or less like a celebratory thing. And I guess that's something that, um, you know, African-Americans tend to do. We celebrate, you know, as they're going into the world, cry coming in, celebrate going out. But it was, it was a lot for me to, to be in a room where everyone was more jovial. And here I am watching my mother take her last breaths. And it was, it was hard to the point where I ended up having to leave because it was just so overwhelming. So I left for about an hour or two and I came back and it was almost like, and I'm stopped by three or four nurses as I'm walking in mm -hmm. and I get inside and you know, they're like, it, it's been a lot. So my mind, I just, at some point in me, it came out and I was like, okay, everybody gotta go. You know, everybody, I cleared the entire room. This was about, you know, 10 o'clock at night. I cleared the entire room. I made everyone leave aside from my brother and her two sisters and, you know, and everybody else had to go. Um, because when I came back, you know, my mom's hat had been removed. She didn't want anyone to see her like that. So it was just a lot of triggers for me that pushed me to clear the room. Clear the room. I had to clear the room and, and give her her space that, that I know I had to honor her in the way that I know that she wanted to be honored. So that was the first time I literally stood up and took a stance for my mother and, and it, it felt good. So in that aspect, um, the room cleared and there was this sweetest nurse. I, I, I swear, I, I cannot call her name right now, but she was the sweetest nurse. Like once the room got quiet, there was nobody there with my sis, her sisters, my brother, myself. Um, I got to, I got in the bed with her and, um, I laid with her the entire time, you know, I laid on her chest so I can hear, you know, I can hear, feel and, and bond with her. You know, I, I wanted to, she was with me when she gave me her first breath and I was determined to lay with her as she took her last. And that was, you know, a little, it was, it was hard. And this sweet angel, which I know was God's sin, you know, she didn't say anything. She just kept coming in, checking vitals. And the last time she came in and I looked up at her and she looked at me and I said, she's gone, isn't she? She just shook her head really silently and walked out the door. My brother, um, he had his moments, uh, his sisters, her sisters had their moments and, um, I just, the most that I can do, you know, was, was, was storm the room at that particular point because I needed to get my thoughts together. I needed to, you know, a part of me, like I, I knew when her heart stopped because a part of me, like, uh, like almost inside of me, something sunk, you know, cause me and my mother had, so uh, I think, yeah, yeah, we had a, in, like our bond was, was was met, was kinetic. It, it was something that you know it can't be explained, but it was felt. Like even her presence in her absence, I can feel her presence. So it, we have that type of bond. So knowing that stage four cancer, mm -hmm. and you've seen her, 
and she expressed how how, how painful it was. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of things, you, you want to keep your mother here. So engulfed in the sadness of losing your mother was there a sense of relief that she wasn't suffering anymore? And if so, how does that relief how does that relief live with the sadness of losing her? You know, I don't. You don't want a person to be in pain anymore, but you don't want them to die. So that's the relief that she's not in any pain anymore has to move in with the sadness that she's gone. How does relief and sadness stack up? <laughs> well, for me, it was God, um, and I have to say that. Because I'm going to take you to the back to her room when she passed. When my mother passed, her mouth was completely open. It was wide open. When we left the room, you know, we all left the room at the same time, more or less. And I hadn't I hadn't been out the room no more than about, maybe about two minutes. Because I walked to the end of the hallway and I came back in. And she had a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. And even after death, I knew that. God would still show up. And I know that my mother did that for me because I knew that she was afraid to die. You know, mm-hmm. as strong as she was, as, as God-fearing as she was, um, she lived a life where there would bring questions, there would bring doubt that, you know, she was afraid. And, you know, I prayed with her, read the Bible with her, you know, one of her biological sisters was just like, if she's not ready to go, don't, 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 don't force her to go yet. But you know, <laughs> yeah, see, you know, she that, was was like, she, that was my aunt. She was like, if she ain't ready to go, leave her alone. She'll go whenever she get good, ready to go. And after my aunt brought that to me, I was like, you know what, auntie, you're right. She will, you know, and I just, you know, let it go. But it was, it was nothing but God's grace. And his mercy that gave me um, the strength to be able to have sadness in, in in losing her coexist. Because even when I think about her passing um, in the state that she was when she passed and walking back in that room and seeing a smile on her face, it just immediately let me know that she was all right and she was with God and she was in um, better hands. Everyone goes to therapy. <laughs> go to therapy, they say. Yeah, that's what they say. You go to therapy, I know. Yes, I do. We go to therapy. Yes, we do. Collectively and individually. Are there times when therapy isn't enough? And what helps you cope besides therapy? Did you really ask me? <laughs> okay, all sayings. Um... I have a more holistic approach to life, um, as you can see. <laughs> you know, um, I do. I'm into stone therapy. I am a sage burner. I am. I rely on God a lot. I I just you know music is 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 so many different avenues that I use to cope. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you know, therapy, you know, sometimes I could go into a therapy session and I just want to crawl into my bed because it's just been that deep and I've had to peel that much of myself. Like, and that's just like, whoa, and you're like, oh God, I got to do it again. So yeah, I think that's the part of therapy that people don't want to feel. Yeah. They don't want to go to therapy because they don't want to have to peel themselves out of bed the next day or even that day. It's like, it's like. Um, having the um, for me personally, therapy is like having a, a pap smear. Yeah, because you 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 so vulnerable in this position, and you just come home and like no one should ever go a day with having therapy and then have to go on with their day, like go to work or go run errands. Therapy and pap smears are for coming home and laying in the bed. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we can definitely agree on that. You know, we can definitely agree on that. Uh, well, unfortunately, I will say that's a part that we can agree on, but I also have um, a seven-year-old. So my therapy days you kind do. of, you know, I, I don't get to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I said we have a seven-year-old, you know, so I don't get to sit and lay. Yeah, you don't get to lay. Yeah. I, I don't get to sit and lay. I got. I, I have to get and go, you know, so I, I take my therapy, I take my moments, I'll go out on that walk, get that good soul cry out if it's needed and or do whatever I need to do to balance myself so I can be a, a leveling plane for by the time my son comes in who's, who can pick up on anything and everything, you know, so I have to, you know, pretty much do my mental exercises in order to, you know, bring myself back to center so I can be the best that I can be for him. Mm -hmm. And then once he goes to bed, then I can pretty much go back to bed and curl up in a fetal position. That's not much time. This guy's like a tornado. So, you know, you don't get much. No, I I don't. No, I I, I really don't. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's it. That's that's a weight in itself, you know, mm-hmm. not being able to grieve. And I have to say that I personally never grieve anything, you know, even as a child, maybe because I, I am kind of stoic to death, more or less, you mm-hmm. know, and I grew up in an environment where, okay, death is a part of life. It went on, you know, so. She didn't watch the other soul sessions. She would catch up, but she didn't watch them because she didn't want anyone's answers to influence hers. But she just said something that Tanya said. Tanya, I didn't, she didn't agree with anything. Tanya said the same thing. She didn't. She realized as she was going through life, she wasn't grieving whether it was death, whether it was the loss of a job, a, a, a relationship. She just wasn't grieving. So would you say that you were operating in that same oh, Absolutely. You were absolutely. operating in that, in that same capacity. I, I never stopped to feel. Right. Because I didn't want to feel. It, 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 I just didn't want to feel it because I knew that it would break me down. This is before, before Jax. Yes. Okay. Yes, this is before Jax. You know, I, I just didn't want to feel. You know, I, I, um, you know, I grew up, my grandmother was a missionary and, you know, we went to plenty of funerals and stuff like that. So, you know, growing up in church, it's just, it's, it's just what happens, you know? Right. So you don't, there's not like, they don't give you a pamphlet on how to grieve, you know? So you just pretty much just go on and 
with life and persons died and right. you move on. And it wasn't until, you know, um, a devastating loss hit me, which was my sister cousin, that Pandora's box pretty much opened because she was more or less like, like she was my sister, sister. Yeah, you know, and my, 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 also my diary, you know, so I did, I, I didn't grieve. But I had someone to talk to about everything gotcha. and anything. You had some place to put it. I had some place to put it. Right. You know, so. So when Carlisha passed, we were going to give people names. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because so these deaths between us, I'm glad we had each other with so much. If you combine the amount of deaths that we've had to deal with uh, together, is, 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 the losses are unbelievable. <coughs> So, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't. Nobody knows CPR. I'm all good. Excuse me. <coughs> but yes, the deaths are. Um, this doesn't work, by the way. We no, it doesn't. We, we learned that. Hold your hands up. Hold your hands. That doesn't work. Um, this happens to be my mom's. Just FYI, I carry her with me all the time. All the time. Um. So, yeah, Kalisha was your diary. So that mm -hmm. was a place you had. I always, I'll always call it. Some place to put it. So he had some right. place to put it right. up until she passed away. And mm -hmm. she passed away literally when when Jax was two. Yes. And he was good up until okay, gotcha. Well, I, I would say I was dealing. I coping. was dealing. Yes, I, I was coping really well up until okay. up until then. Yeah. And then the G slipped once she passed. Away. Oh man, Bellevue, yeah. okay, yeah, melted. Knowing the five stages of grief mm -hmm. has going through them helped you. Or does it feel like Groundhog's Day and you're stuck in one particular stage? I would say um, anger, denial, acceptance. I would say that I am stuck in depression. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm stuck in depression. Um, so it's like Groundhog's Day. It's like Groundhog's Day, you know, because... Um, I miss that woman, mm. you know, like, you know, I, when I say, I think I, everybody felt that. Let's take, let's take a pause for that. Um, she missed that. You, you, you miss your mother. I, I miss my mother. Yeah. You know, I, we had an internal, uh, an internal intimate bond, yeah. you know, so I, I, I miss her. So with, with that. You know, an introvert, only person I ever, I felt when you said that, I felt that. And the only person I ever heard say that, that I know of both say, so I don't, and I'm not discounting anyone's loss with their mom. But, and we've talked a lot about mother loss, but the only one I ever heard talk about their mother say, and say it that way, mm -hmm. it's, it sounds like verbatim, Miss Kimani. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He said, I miss that one. I miss that lady or I miss that woman. And even if we just like randomly talking or FaceTiming, She'll just those like gaze off and she'll say, I missed that. And I felt I'm just, I didn't yeah. interrupt because she's teaching me not to interrupt, but <laughs> sometimes I need to get my thought out before it disappears. That's why I see me writing over here. But when you said I missed that woman, I felt it because I watched you and your mother together and I watched Nadia and Kimani together and I seen it. And so when it, it's not there anymore. And someone said, like, I missed, I felt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's depression for you. It's, 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 it's depression. You know, you're good. Like, going, like, about your day, you just, you, you make it work, you get up, and you. Yeah. You. I'm a, a mother, I'm a, a wife, 
Yeah. You have a career. You handle my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just like they say there are functioning alcoholics. There are functioning depressionists. Depressionists. We gonna, we gonna, we just gave a new word. Functioning depressionists. You know, um, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know, and sometimes, you know, I learned in life, you, um, you can't sit down, you know, because sometimes if you sit down too long, you stay down. Mm. And Misha said that too. You you gotta go back and catch the soul. I, I, I intend Misha, to. He said that too. You, know, you can't sit down. You can't. You gotta get up. You know. You, you have to get up. You have to keep moving. Um, <laughs> and just go with the flow. You know. You you always have to try to find your silver linings and take it moment by moment. And this whole faking it till you make it. No. What is what? That's what. No. Heal it. Feel it. Heal it and deal with it. That's that's just the only way. Like you can get it. This is good. Heal it. No, no, no. Sorry. Feel it. Heal it and deal with it. Feel it. Heal it and deal with it. Yeah, that's 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 the only way. Okay, I'm over looking at my questions. <laughs> questions. What is the one thing? Now, one thing about your mother. <laughs> this, <laughs> this woman, whatever she wanted to do, she did. I've never heard her say she had wanted to do something and didn't do it. I've I've even seen heard about her doing something. That's all. Oh, that's the reason I'm not surprised. <laughs> but what is one thing that you can think of that she wanted to do and she didn't get a chance to do, but you can say, I got you, mom. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to buy it for you. I'm going to go there for you. I'm going to take it back for you. I'm going to get them back for you. Um, I'm going to uh, cross that bridge for you. I'm going to make that. Like, what is what is one thing that she wanted to do, you could think of, that she didn't get? Besides these, grand, these two grandsons. Oh, Okay, so it was a, it actually it was there was a couple of several things, but first and foremost, um, she wanted to be a better mother. Mm, she did. She wanted to be a better mother, and I can honestly say I got you, ma, because wow. I'm the mother that she, she wanted, wanted to, to be. be. So, you know, that's why I go so hard in the paint for my baby boy, because I know that that's how my mother initially would have been, you know, had she been given the proper tools and her life wasn't the way that it was. Um, and which is also a reason why she wanted grandchildren so bad, because she chance. wanted to have another chance to do it all over again. And that I say I got her. Um, she wanted to go back to school. And my son and I got into a conversation not too long ago, probably about a week ago. You know, I've been, as I knew it was my time coming up, I've been kind of like listening and opening to myself to different portals. And my son said to me, Mommy, what, what did you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and I said, um, A teacher. He said, Okay, so do that then. And I'm like, Okay, I'm going to do that then. So, you know, with that, I saw before, you know, when I was going through her papers, 
she had applied to go back to Tidewater Community College. And so I'm going to get that and I'm going to walk across the stage, not only for me, but I'm going to walk for her. Um, I got her in that. Also, my mother was big into she could sing her heart out like an angel. I'm not going to say I'm going to join a band or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but, um, and she was also one hell of a stylist. And I will say that I now have, I'm digging into my creative feel where I got from her, opening up a book of my own boutique, which is called Jack's Out the Box. Um, you'll be seeing that very soon coming and it's, it's up and running, but I just got some little more tweaking, a little life has been life. And so it was supposed to be ready for this night and grand open. But it's if y'all knew what my platform, is absolutely shameless plug. Um, <laughs> but you know, life is life and behind these scenes. So, you know, we, I, I can't get around to that right now, but that's just, you know, the devil trying to stop what I know that is in magnitude. That's going to blow up. So I'm not worried about that too tough. You know, I'm like my mother. I'm, I'm a body of water. I'm going to make my way around every obstacle. <laughs> so you just said that she, this is great because it, it kind of like transcends to my next question. She knew she wasn't that great at being a mother in the earlier parts. Mm -hmm. So she wanted to do better. Mm -hmm. So in my book, Sticking My Grits, Grief to Gratitude Through Grace, I talk about forgiving my parents for not parenting or for their parenting or lack thereof after their death and how it affected me. How were you able to forgive your mom? I forgive my mom long before she passed. Um, how, 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 how I was able to do that because again, that was in therapy and in therapy, they always tell you to write a letter to the person who, you know, who may have offended you, however you're feeling about. So I wrote her a letter and expressed to her how I felt. And in turn, um, she wrote me a letter, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I still have that letter. And, and she apologized to me and, you know, That's so freeing. and I apologized to her, but what, what the biggest magnitude of how I was able to forgive her was I was in my twenties and we were talking, we was in a deep conversation. I was telling her about, you know, my life or whatever, and some of the traumas that I had experienced in my life. And she said to me, um, baby girl, I'm sorry. I, I did what I thought was best for you um, because I didn't want you to have to go through what I went through. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want you to go to places where I've been. And that, what she didn't say, let me know that she was protecting me in the best way that she knew how. Right. You know, so with that, I was just able to, you know, forgive her. Because like, she admitted to not being a not she, yes, great she, parent. Yes, she, she, she did. did. She didn't get in the ego no. and say, well, you got what you got. Right, right. So no. because she humbled herself mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. said, yeah, I wasn't that great, but I will do better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, 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 you probably know this about me without me saying it, but I kind of envy that. Because you, you, you always said, even to me, you... 
you're so angry with your parents. Mm -hmm. You got to let that go. And I didn't really let it go until I wrote the book. But in the in the beginning, me and your your mother's relationship was a little tumultuous because she reminded me so much of my mother. Yeah. And I was and I realized that the anger that I was holding inside from my mother that I I was just letting it out on her. And I was projecting. Yeah, I was projecting it onto her and I realized it one day and I was like, This woman, she tried she pulled all stops for me. She tried everything, you know, and I'm just was just not a nice person. Then I realized one day, um, I think I think it was maybe towards the end, and I'm and and I think I said it. I don't know if I openly, if you remember or or if I said it to you, it was because she reminded me so much of my mother, and I was projecting the anger. I didn't figure my parents today was dead because I'm walking around with all this anger inside of me, and it was it. I wasn't a nice person. Right. So I, I, I just yeah. wanted to say that I, I don't know if I ever told you that I, I kind of envied that about you, that not only did you got to spend time with her up until she passed away, but the fact that she was, she said to you, yeah, I'm, I'm not that good at this, but I'm going to try to do better. Yeah. And so the relationship kind of meshed. It was healing, mm-hmm. forgiveness, mm-hmm. and you guys were able to move on. Mm-hmm. But parents nowadays, like they stand up and they shit. No, my my mom did not. You know, she she definitely took accountability for her shit. Okay, and so yeah. with with that being said, having to deal with me, <laughs> what advice do you have for someone? That's grieving for a parent that's not dead. First, you have to identify what it is that you're actually grieving about that parent. What What is it? Like, are you grieving that they aren't there? Are you grieving that they should have been more? Are you grieving? It just depends what it is that you're grieving. And once you target that, you have to... Find a way to realize before these, before our parents became our parents, they were people just like you and I. And they had or was encountering things that they were going through. And we just came in the midst of whatever they had going on. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn to love them for where they are because you don't know what their life was like before you came along and and they just took the selfless act to bring you into this world, not knowing what to do with you, how to do with you probably no, never knew what parents it was going to be like, didn't know if it was going to be for them. So you have to learn to blame them for nothing, forgive them for everything and learn to build yourself up in those areas where you feel as though they broke you down. Did y'all get that? That's 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 the only way that you can do it. Blame them for nothing and forgive them for everything. You don't Blame have them to for nothing, but forgive them for everything. Yeah, you gotta have an eye on the exhale. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's that's Blame them for nothing and forgive them for everything. Because at some point, your life becomes yours. Mm. 
So you have to don't become a dog. You know, I'm just saying. Some at some points, your life becomes yours, and you have to take you know accountability for what it is that you've been through mm-hmm. and heal it all. Even if you got to, for starters, start with that inner child. That's that's where you have to start with. You have to start with the inner child. You cannot heal unless you get down to the core of you and know what what uh, tainted you or or what broke your spirit early on. Mm. So until you find that out, you know, you'll be like a no, walking. You got a lot of work to do. You know, it's, it's a lot, a lot of work to do. You know, and my with myself, I'm 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 under con- like a whole ass construction. So you know, my, my grief isn't just motherly grief. I, I have grief of like you said, grief can level out all different ways. But you know, so my trusty pen. That's a- <laughs> so it it with that being said, oh, you know, I have you know, I have I have a lot of work to do, and with with and you know, I'm, I'm ready now. I'm so- ready. It took a long time. It took 46 and some to my face. And all so you said you have a lot of grief and not just motherly. Yeah. So with that being said, I love you. You, you feel because <laughs> I can just like forward to my next question. I don't think it this much. I got Has grief taught you to love harder or forgive less? What I mean is, do you hold on to relationships because someone could be gone in the blink of an eye? Or do you move on because you could be gone in the blink of an eye? Um. <laughs> and we, still, we, talk, we talk about those other relationships is for a different show. Okay. Um, no, but I'm serious. Grief. Grief, period. Because as grief, we're talking about, I was just joking, but grief even though this is about the love of loss, coping with the loss of a mother, grief teaches us things in general. Yes. And so, we, like you said, you, you you've lost. We've been together for twenty three years. I've lost some you, really. You, we've lost your mother, mm-hmm. your maternal grandmother, mm-hmm. your sister cousin. Mm-hmm. I've lost an idea, mm-hmm. my sister cousin, mm-hmm. uh, my brother, mm-hmm. uh, Uncle Miles. Mm-hmm. Kindu, mm-hmm. my maternal grandmother, mm-hmm. and my paternal grandmother. Let's not forget my Aunt Robin. And Aunt Robin. Mm-hmm. All while we were together. My old cousin Jordan. Yeah. And Jordan. Mm-hmm. All while we were together. All while we were together. So I would say we've been to more funerals than weddings. Somebody got to get married. So we- Please. <laughs> so I said that to say, with all that grief. Mm-hmm. And and, and and with relationships and friendships. And and not just friendships, relationships with family members. Ships. Oh, fr- ships. Yeah, come on here. <laughs> You're just gonna say You're not cold. <laughs> Maybe. Come on here. Ships. <laughs> okay. Has grief taught you to love harder, to hold on to him tighter and fight for him, or be like, or forgive less? Forgive less. <laughs> That's a Jay-Z line. It grief has taught me to forgive less. Why? Because I can no longer hinder my healing over the love that I have for other people. Mm. So in order for me to do that, I have to forgive less. And in order to forgive someone, you have to literally 
ponder, go over what they did to you. I don't have that emotional space to give. Ashley Callender, emotional guard, emotional guard. I don't have that emotional space to give, you know, so I forgive less. You know, maybe 10 years ago, it may have been a little bit different, you know, but now I am in the uh, um, a, a area and a phase of my life where I forgive less, and uh, and I'm and, fine say, with that. and I'm totally fine with that. Okay. You know, I used to be more meek, docile, and I know. no, now I'm more like my mother, which is a little, you know, rah, rah, rah. but I'm good with the rah, rah, rah because you know I was so quiet, nonchalant. You can never run over to me. Like every now and again, she'll catch me and be like, "Who are you talking to?" Yeah. Did you understand? You know, so you know what I mean. And, and it's just like it is. It's, it's like you know. It's, it's like I, I found my voice, and and nobody or no one can ever take it away. I mean, they can't handle it, it. And, and they really can't handle it. You know, I was able. I was at one point. I was easily able to be hushed out of either fear mm-hmm. or you know. What's that syndrome with the, the, the Stockholm syndrome? Yeah, you know, with, with Stockholm syndrome, you know, it, it was easy for me to just hush, hush, hush. But now, at the age that I am now, um, I have more prior, I have more of my father's quiet ways. Mm. You know, my father's very quiet and meek. He only comes out if he has to come out. But now I've, I've embodied somehow my mother and she's just a force to be reckoned with she is and now i'm pretty much like a wrecking ball being back in virginia beach we just moved back in july Mm -hmm. it was going for 10 years 10 yeah it was in new jersey for 10 years being back in virginia beach has to be comforting and triggering this is where she spent most of her life. And she passed away here. She's buried here. So that's kind of a good thing. You can, you know, go to her resting place when you couldn't before. What places and spaces or even smells trigger random thoughts and memories being here in Virginia Beach? Memories. We'll start with there. In our old neighborhood, when I ride, when we go, my sister lives in there. Yeah, every 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 time we go to your sister's house, I have memories. They're not triggers, and memories, you know, good ones. are good ones. And you know, the tears they'll fall. Um, she used to. We went to um, an establishment frequent all the time from where you know a little bar they used to go to and hang out. Um, so I have a lot of good memories, you know, and, 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 and they, they seep out my eyes a lot, mm-hmm. you know, as far as in triggers, the only trigger I can honestly say that I had was going to my grandfather's house. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the biggest trigger for me only because there was an expectancy of her being there. Mm-hmm. You know, she was there. That's what she stayed. She was there, and she was like always there, like always there, hanging out. You know, even if she had her own place, like you know, she was always with her with her dad. 
And um, it was also the last place that I seen my mother that I knew that I would see her alive again. Look at God, he moved. Yeah. He, your grandfather just moved. Yeah. He, he doesn't live there he anymore. So I, I don't, that, that trigger is gone. He moved to it. Yeah. It, it was moved. gone. It was like, moved. Yeah. He moved like he moved. two months later after he moved. He well, moved. actually, he had moved before, before I remember. How long did Pete live there in the house? Over 30 years. He lived in the house 30 years. We moved to Virginia Beach. He knew it would be a trigger. And then he up and moved. Yeah. That 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 was the universe. The universe and God works in your favor. Yeah, it it was. You know, you want to see your grandfather, like Jackson's great grandfather. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See him. Yeah, yeah, I do. And God knew that going to that house would be a trigger for me. So He moved it. Look at God moves things around for you. Yeah. Don't make me start preaching. Well, God has moved things around for me from the time out from go. Right. You know so. I've always been protected in, in more ways than one. My mom has always been like uh, the character Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yes, you know, she's always been like that particular character for me. So whenever I was at my point where I felt as though the, my my inside world where it was too much going on, somehow she would show up, mm-hmm. you know, and she always knew what was going on in my life. And, and, and a lot I did. I mirrored her. She went to Weekway High School. She was a cheerleader. East Orange High School. You know, I was in a band, Color Guard. So we we mirrored each other a lot, you know, along our spaces and time. But um, smells, banana pudding. Um, I killed banana pudding. You know, my mom, she was really, really sick that on that last visit that I saw her. But she was determined to make me some banana pudding. She made banana pudding in the oven. I don't know how anybody else made the banana pudding, but my mama put it in the oven, you know, and it was the best banana pudding ever, okay? That was banana problem. Whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But my mother, she was determined to make her. She knew I loved her banana pudding. And she she was in a whole hell of a lot of pain. And um and she and she made and she made me some banana pudding and and I would not leave you know and, you know her best friend which is my my um grandfather's wife was like Kiki don't you go nowhere your mama been talking about making story. your about, best yeah. her best friend is your grandfather's wife yeah so we um she was like don't you go nowhere don't you go nowhere we got time for that we go to another we get to a whole <laughs> another segment um. <laughs> We um don't you go nowhere? She got to make it a banana, and she was my mother was riddled in pain, but she got up, made that banana pudding. You know, I sat there and ate it for a while, and we I got it, and that was my last night in town. And for some reason, I don't know what it was, we were leaving out, and I had to turn around and go back. I think I left something, and I walked in. Let me get some of yours. I ran out of mine. As I walked in, she didn't even give me her like I, um, glass. <laughs> I saw her um, rocking in the corner mm-hmm. by the music, and I looked over, and I just went and gave her forehead kissed, and I knew at that moment that was the last time I was going to see my mother in a functioning, um, right. So, so, yeah, 
that was that was the trigger for me, my grandfather's house. That, so that, that's that was the trigger. No but that trigger that. isn't there anymore because I don't have to go there to see him anymore. He so he moved. So he now I just have moved. memories that run good out memories. of my eyes. You yeah, know, I have good memories here too. I have good memories that run out of my eyes and you know, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start saying that instead of I'm crying. Memories are running out of yeah, my eyes. My memories run out of my eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right. What you talking about? Memories. I'm not crying. You know, memories are no, just running my out of memories eyes. are falling. You know, memories are falling. Yeah, I like that. Last question. Rumi. Hmm. He said, "Don't grieve. Anything you lose comes around in another form." I read somewhere. I did a lot of research research for this <laughs> for this series for this one here for this for particular series. Not yes, this you have, have you, you this have. entire you series mm-hmm. and I read so somewhere I'll well <laughs> say it again I like that I'm a count I like calculate say it again I said yeah, well thank you I read somewhere that when people die they turn into things knowing your mother what do you imagine she's turned into a cheetah a cheetah I need to get the question out cheetah a cheetah if anybody knew my mother, knew she loved Cheetah. She was fast, um, <clears throat> swift, sneak up on you, catch you, wouldn't even know it. And she lived in solarity, which means she didn't hang with a whole bunch of people. You couldn't catch her in the whole crowd. Yeah, and Cheetahs, Cheetahs don't... <laughs> You know, cheetahs, cheetahs don't, are like lions. Like lionesses, they all run in packs. Mm-hmm. But cheetahs don't. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing they do, you know, they find the, the male. They call, actually, the female cheetahs are called she cheetahs. You know, they'll find their male to meet. That's it. That's all they was good for. They'll take their cub, raise their cub. Right. <laughs> yep. And that was actually her nickname. Um so they would take their cub, raise their cub, and once their cub became like about a good eighteen months, they're now, I wouldn't say away. I wouldn't say that um, you're alone. I would just say you find you find your good clique of sister friends, and you have those. And it's about the size of a fist. That's how many. Yeah, that's what I have yeah. that I know. Yeah, yeah. Who the who the, the sister tribe are? Who the sister tribe is are will be. Yeah, that's for me. But you were asking about my mom. But my mom, she was. Yeah, I'm. I'm just yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. She would come back as a cheetah. Yes, she was. She would definitely come back as a cheetah. And um, if there's a um, this this sounds strange, but I also know she's come back as in a part of in my son. I wouldn't say that's strange. It depends on what you believe in. I think that before kids are born, um, the ancestors or the kinfolk that's gone yeah. before them kind of prepared them for you. Well, yeah, this is true. Well, and your, I, and I know. So yeah. what he, aside from our circle of people that prayed with us for him here in the heavenly realm, there were people preparing him for us. Well, that I definitely and believe. I think that, you yeah, know, she definitely was think, a catalyst yeah, for that. Sure. You know, because I, yeah, I, I just somebody would have prepared me for the birth. Like, where was y'all in? <laughs> you know, I, I I look at it now that that helps me out 
at this stage in my life that helps me is that my mom is my intercessor now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> when I need the strength, when when things are going on in my life and I'm like, oh my God, I need help. Oh my God, I need help. I know that she's working for me on the other side. And I know that if there's a prayer line happening with all of the ancestors and they're trying to get their, you know, prayers in for their people, God, I know in some way, somehow, my mama done got a direct line to Jesus in order for it to make it happen to me. So I know that even, you know, my strength is becoming more of the battles that I'm facing, the healing that I'm going through, that I know, you know, she didn't think that, you know, I was I was strong enough because again, I'm an empath, you know, versus with her, she was more strong minded, you know, wouldn't let her get in your head. It was a little easier to get in my head. And now I'm ready to take the world on with her spirit that's just burning fire with inside of me. So that was good. Beware. Beware. That was good. So that concludes soul sessions coping with the loss of a mother i hope these sessions have done as i intended when they came to my mind to help heal and encourage and i don't know if you all seen the video that i made prior to announcing it this came about i was in new jersey working for a week and i didn't tell too many people because sometimes i didn't know i would i knew i wouldn't be able to get a chance to visit everyone but I have an amazing group of friends and the certain women that I reached out to that I saw, we had good conversations. And from those conversations, um, I just want to say some names, that, you know, I had dinner with um, Adia and Sophia. Mm-hmm. Adia, and we talked, she's, she's going through some stuff right now. And, um, Tamisha, mm-hmm. we had dinner, and if it wasn't so loud in there, I definitely would have like lit a mic across the table and recorded it. And I went by Rachel's house, mm-hmm. and she made me burn me a hamburger. <laughs> She's one of the angels my dear left for me, for mm-hmm. us, for us, because that's um, my baby mom. Right, and <laughs> on my way home. I'm trying to get emotional. On my way home, I was trying for several days throughout the week to see these people, but I kept missing them. And so I said, I had I had something for them, her, them. And so I said, as I'm getting ready to get on the turnpike, I said to Kayla, I said, I'm just going to swing by the house and drop this in the mailbox. And then I'll be on the road. So I'll be home by lunch. And when I pulled into the pulled into the driveway, her car was there. And Marjorie was home. <laughs> and she said we was just so I was so happy to see her. And she worked from home that day. And we sat at her kitchen table and we talked for about two or three hours. And it was like I didn't know that I needed it. And because of that conversation, I didn't get home by lunch. 
I didn't get home until about 5.30, and I'm coming across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, and the sun is setting. And that's when a flood of emotions, because it's as scary as the Chesapeake Bay Bridge is, you mm. have to come over it during the sunset. And all mm. the the love that I felt while I was there. And um, the conversations that I wanted to share. And I pulled over. There's, there's an overlook that you can stop. And I pulled over. And I just recorded the sunset. And I sent the video to each woman that I spent time with. And told them how much that those minutes, that time meant for me. And that's how Soul Sessions was created. Coping with the loss of a mother. And since Soul Sessions has begun, two of my very good, good girlfriends, my sisters have called me and said, what's next? You're doing, this is amazing. What are you going to do next? And one thing I said, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but whatever it is, it has to help, heal, and encourage. Otherwise, I'm just Wendy Williams. What are you doing? And we know how you doing. <laughs> thank y'all for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank all my participants for their vulnerability and for sharing. And please like, subscribe, and share. I appreciate I, I get I get flooded with text messages telling me y'all love it. Share it. Tell a friend. Share it. Tell a friend. Because remember, this started at the kitchen table. Don't be trying to share it when I'm on national TV. Thank y'all. <laughs> Have a good night.